0: Audre Lorde once said that caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that Mm -hmm. is an act of political warfare. Mm -hmm. And you and I, especially as Black women, there are enough things to face in the world without adding our own stuff on top Mm -hmm. of it, right? So if I am not here to do the work, if you are not here to do the work that we're called to in the world, then it's not going to get done. And I'm being irresponsible if I don't take care of myself as a vessel to help get those things done.
1: Welcome to A Modern Visionary, conversations with leaders that give a damn. I'm your host, Tiffany Lanier. Here, our goal is to inspire, educate, and have a few uncomfortable conversations about what it really takes to be a leader in this day and age. We know that consciousness, empathy, living and leading with integrity, and justice first is the only way to bridge the gap between where we are now and where we want to be. Each episode, we'll talk to visionary leaders, entrepreneurs, politicians, and all-around changemakers who are doing the work and paving the way for the new paradigm of leadership and the way that we want to run things. So sit back, relax, take note. It's time to be a modern visionary. Welcome back to another episode of A Modern Visionary. I'm Tiffany Lanier and today I'm so excited for you to hear my interview with Brittany Packnett. I had the great fortune of interviewing Brittany while she was here visiting South Florida and speaking at the Be The Change event earlier this summer. In case you have never heard of Brittany Packnett, I am so excited to introduce her to you. She is an activist, educator, writer, and TED speaker. She's the co-founder of Campaign Zero, a policy platform to end police violence. And she's also a co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Pod Save the People. This woman is straight up power, and she leads at the intersection of culture and justice. We had such a great conversation. I mean, we talked about just about everything from... Blexit, which is a GOP strategy to move Black people from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party, and even more important conversation around prioritizing the inner work in order to do all the outer work that so many of us are doing to create that big positive change in the world, especially things like depression and anxiety along the way. This is such a rich conversation that I'm so excited for you to hear. So without further ado, here is my convo with Brittany Packnett. Welcome to a Modern Visionary, Brittany. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm just, I'm over the moon. <laughs> I'm over the moon that you're like, sure, let's do this. Yeah, let's and do it. I'm I like, appreciate you reaching out. I'm like, it's going to be like a fireside chat, but really, it's a poolside chat because we're in Florida. Yes, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> Shout out to this weather. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. You came at a really good time.
0: <laughs> Clearly, before and I'm, it's I'm very glad. Really about hot. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right before it gets really hot, but usually I start off. The podcast with an icebreaker and okay. it's a WTF. Okay. But usually I let the guests tell me what their WTF is, but I have a WTF that okay. I want you to respond to. All right. If I'm all ears. That's okay. Okay. So recently I've started noticing that black GO peers have started this rally cry called Blexit mm. and I'm very confused <laughs> about the whole thing. Do you do you know about this this movement and do yeah. you have an opinion?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a thing or two about the Blexit, shall we say? And I think what I get frustrated by not I think, I know what I get frustrated by is persistent, intentional, manipulative intellectual dishonesty.
1: Mm.
0: And there is a valid and necessary conversation to have about the political structure in the U.S., about all of the ways in which it does not serve Black people well, about all of the strivings that still need to be made to ensure that we've got a government that actually works in our best interests. But what that doesn't mean is that I should leave the party that you don't like to join a party that doesn't like me. You don't have to lie to me to have the conversation about where Democrats have failed. In fact, as a person on the left myself, I have been one of the main folks (laughs) raising my voice, among lots of other voices, to say, here are all of the ways in which the DNC and the Democratic Party apparatus are operating poorly when it comes to black people. Right. Mm -hmm. We know that there are black politicos and organizers and lobbyists who are making it happen for candidates who do not get the same kind of funding that other consultants do. We know that there are, uh, neighborhoods where candidates come and knock on doors once every four years, and they don't actually do anything for us. Right. We know that there are folks who refuse to be held accountable to what needs to happen for black people in black communities. Um, all across the board and i can have that conversation and also be honest about the fact that the proper alternative for me is not the republican party those folks don't knock on our doors any more often in fact they knock on them less those folks are not any more held accountable to our issues or needs in fact they're held accountable less you're not some great genius to have figured out to, like, be the one person or the one of few Black folks who has decided to go over to that party, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that you are there by yourself doesn't make you an innovator. Um, and I'm just, I'm really offended by the idea that pushing for the things that matter to us requires going to a place that has never cared for us.
1: Ever. Ever. Like, ever. It's it's odd because, I guess what I've seen very briefly, but I just came across it. I came across it, like, a couple months ago. Sure. But then recently saw it again. And I'm just baffled at at this whole free thinker. Like, I'm over here and I'm blexeting because now we're free thinkers. And we don't have to be under this democratic regime. Which is insulting. Which is really... It's insulting to the
0: rest of us. It's insulting to... You know, I was on I did a TV show with a with a black GOP who I didn't know was going to be there until 20 minutes before we went on air, which, you know, is how cable television works. But anyway, um we're on this we're having this conversation and the the host is asking him, you know, why he belongs to the Republican Party. He's like, "Because I choose wealth." And I'm like, "How disrespectful to insinuate that Black folks on the left and or Black Democrats are intentionally choosing poverty. Right? Like that is, that is disrespectful to everybody's grandmother. That's disrespectful to everybody's grandfather. That's disrespectful to all of the black folks who did not have access to the kinds of education incentives and scholarships and opportunities to own homes and all of these things that are wealth generators that we know were restricted from black folks by law, right? That is insulting to generations of people who had to not only deal with that, but had to fight against that so you and I could sit on television Mm -hmm. and have this argument, right? like how incredibly insulting and i consistently find not for all black folks in the republican party but in particular these th- these folks that call themselves these free thinking Blexiters, there is a level of condescension that assumes that all of the rest of us are just sheep mindless sheep and i'm like come come on like let's like have an like honest conversation
1: opposite like yeah to me i'm just wondering how you came to that conclusion. Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I guess those of us that are on the left side of things, as far as I'm concerned, we can debate everything. Yeah. We don't stay to this one message, which is what some people say is like the problem that we're all over the place because we don't have like the one narrative. Sure. But that's how you challenge things. Yeah. That's a free thinker. Yeah. If you have this consistent narrative and message, then you really isn't that the, the sheep yeah. part. But but that's what that's what had me going WTF, <laughs> and I knew that you would have a, an opinion. Yeah, did I, I want to have an opinion? Child. <laughs> and I, I an wanted opinion. to hear what that was. Um, so I counter the WTF uh-huh. with what's bringing you joy. Yeah, because there's always then there's that right. There's things that make us. Like, what is happening? I just, I can't. But we have to counter the chaos. Yes. And then there's joy. Yes. So there's, what's bringing you joy right now? Yeah, there's absolutely joy. I am, um, I'm
0: finding a lot of joy in finally doing the things for myself that I kept saying I would do, but kept putting off. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the things that i have said no to <laughs> and then found myself actually having time for myself that is bringing me joy deciding to get back into therapy is bringing me joy like mm-hmm. and it's not just the actual experience of those things but it is the experience of making the right choice for myself and prioritizing myself, mm-hmm. reminding myself that I'm capable of doing that is bringing yes. me joy. Yeah. I said the other thing, big thing that's bringing me joy is I'm getting married in a later this year.
1: Congratulations.
0: Thank you. And I'm like so in love with my fiance. He's incredible. I know. He's like we the see best person. He's, just, <laughs> that's so <sweet>. he's like, <laughs> he's legitimately the best person I've ever met. Like, yeah. I just, there's no other way for me to describe yeah. him. But I also, I'm so filled by the love that our friends have been showing us, right? Mm So, you know, I've got friends who will be in the wedding party who are planning the bachelorette and the bridal shower and all this stuff. And as a person who normally is in charge of things, Mm -hmm. it is. Organizer. Yes, I'm the organizer (laughs) often. It is really refreshing, almost off-putting in in some good ways to just, like, let people love on me. And I'm really grateful that they care this much, right, and Mm -hmm. that they, like, are willing to invest their time and their energy and their money into into, um, shepherding me into this next part of my life. And so I'm, like, just really grateful to my friends right now. They're bringing me a lot of joy, and they are refusing to let me um, to let me organize in the ways that are so natural to me, <laughs> um, and forcing me to just like let go receive <laughs> their love, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's beautiful. I Thank love you. that. So I know you get this a lot because they, it's in your bio. But Barack sure. Obama, yeah. right, has said that you're the voice that's going to be making a difference for you. A voice, a voice. Sure, Yes, I think okay, that's the, important because community voice. matters. Yes. Yeah. Co- community voice and. There are thousands of us mm-hmm. <laughs> that believe you are a leading voice in the fight for social justice and change. And I know in many ways you probably feel like you're only just really beginning, right? I mean, you're young, yeah. you're in your, in your early 30s. youngish. Yeah. young-ish. <laughs> um Can you share with us a little bit more for those that may not really know your story, like the journey to becoming this powerful voice for change? Well, I really
0: appreciate that. And I, you know, I am honored to be on your podcast because I just always remember nobody has to care. Like nobody has to care what I think about anything, what I have to say, what I, the work that I'm doing. Um, And so I, I, it's a gift every time someone um, decides to pay attention to me and I, I, it's a gift that I want to be really responsible with. So that is, a fundamental fuel for me. I feel I'm a person who was raised by two very powerful, proud, brilliant Black people um, who wanted to raise powerful, proud, brilliant Black people. And so myself and my brother, my younger brother, Barrington, we benefited greatly from the tutelage and leadership of my parents. So my, my father um, was a pastor of a large African-American congregation, a very historic one in St. Louis. He's no longer living, but his imprint is just mm-hmm. felt daily on our lives. My mother um, has been a lifelong educator and community leader uh, and, and continues to be. She's still in St. Louis and actually created the very first uh, multicultural student services center at our largest public university in, in St. Wow. Louis. Yeah. Uh, and I still will walk up to people now who say, I wouldn't have graduated school if it weren't for your mom, right? Like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't still believe in myself. I wouldn't have been able to face down this obstacle. I wouldn't have the career I have now if it weren't for your mother. And I, I've got people who tell me those kind of stories about both my parents. And it was always important to me to recognize whatever privileges I've been given, privilege mm-hmm. of Life, the privilege of access, the privilege of education, whatever those privileges are, they are f- to be used to the benefit of my community, mm-hmm. right? So, so I should be able to look up one day and know that people are a little bit better off because of the work that I've done. And Mm -hmm. that's just what drives me and what fuels me. So um, I've been a teacher. I've been in education pretty much my entire career. I taught third grade in Washington, D.C., which was the hardest job I will have ever had in my whole life. Um, Except maybe for being a parent myself one day. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked on (laughs) I'm I'm sure, you know, I I like to say I I taught 60 students, um, 68, 9-year-olds, and I I love them and they are heroes to me and they were also a reminder in my 20s that I wanted birth control <laughs> it's just like yes. children require so much attention and patience and love and care and I just wanted I want to make sure that I'm in the right place to be able to do that so I, I love them very much but it, I was like take your time Yeah. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. um, so yeah I was a teacher I worked on Capitol Hill I've I've done policy and advocacy from both sides, being, you know, working for policymakers and being a person who, who pushes for a uh, change in policy. Um, I've been a, a nonprofit executive for for a number of years and had to raise a lot of money on behalf of and in partnership with the communities that I come from and the communities that I feel called to, to, to stand in solidarity with and, mm-hmm. um, And all of those experiences, plus being raised by two really loud and proud black folks, meant that this work of activism has been the thread throughout all of it. So I was I was an activist executive, right? I was an activist educator. Mm -hmm. I was an activist um, uh, hill staffer. Because I just deeply believe that everybody deserves freedom. And I, I, I see and am convicted and compelled by all the ways in which people don't experience it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm constantly thinking about how disabled people are experiencing things, or how LGBTQ folks are experiencing things, or people of color and women of color experiencing things. And I just want to be a person who um, helps, helps not only dismantle the bad things, but build up the good things. So yeah, I was, I was in protests since I was in stroller. So all (laughs) all of, all of those life experiences have come together in the life that I lead now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, Powerful work. Thank you. You are changing lives. We're and inspiring. We're trying. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We're trying. We're trying. Well, to continue that conversation about freedom, mm-hmm. at the Be the Change event in South Florida, um, you were talking about the importance of the inner work. Yeah. And you said, you know, none of us are free until we all are free from the inside out. Mm-hmm. What do you do to keep sane through it all? Yeah. And... How do you do the work? Yes, quote unquote, um, quote the unquote, work. the work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that internal work matters so much because I realized during the Ferguson uprising, actually, that I was masking my lack of belief that I deserved freedom and fighting for freedom for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I I had to train myself to do both at the same time. The key for me really was therapy. I am a person of faith, but I'm also a person that believes that God made therapists for a reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I was in college mm-hmm. and That means that for the rest of my life, that is something that I will have to manage, that I will have to work through. I will have to know my triggers. The people that love me will have to know my triggers. And... There will, there will undoubtedly be things that I come up in my, come up against in my life that I will not have anticipated will trigger right. those things. Um, I know when I get out of whack, when I don't eat well, when I don't sleep enough, when I'm traveling too much, when I'm not doing the things that are, are restorative, f- that, that it can it trigger those things, once again, um, I'm never going to be cured of, of clinical depression and anxiety. I will always be somebody who has to learn to manage that, um, that mental health challenge, that mental disability. And thankfully, I am someone who has developed the tools over a long period of time. And so doing that work looked like not only going to therapy, but actually committing to not moving that Appointment around every week, mm-hmm. right? To actually going when I said I was going to go, um, and making the choice to choose myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that looked like letting go of some relationships that were not serving my my mental capacity, right? That were not serving me in ways that pushed me to be my best, right? That if 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 I'm identifying what my triggers are, mm-hmm. and some of those triggers are people then those people can't be in my life in the right. same way anymore. And I, you know, I'm not a, somebody who cuts a ton of people off. I've cut maybe three people off in my entire life. But I will reposition people. Mm-hmm. And I will put you in the place that is proper, given who you have shown yourself to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes doing the work really looks like, um, like devotion and meditation, right? And mm-hmm. I spend time, I try to my best every morning to spend time in my book of faith, um, to, to center my day and to recognize my source all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that doing the work shows up in lots of different ways for lots of different people, but it is fundamentally about choosing yourself. It is fundamentally about saying that if I am not well, that I cannot do anything else well, and I deserve to be well all into myself.
1: Um,
0: and I, I think that, we've gotten to this place where self-care to people means like an expensive vacation mm-hmm. or a facial or the mask that you have to buy from Sephora. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is those things sometimes, but most consistently, self-care is doing the things that require you to choose yourself and require and and, and help you to be well.
1: I, I agree. I'm a really big advocate of creating a morning practice Mm. or or just a practice in general and holding those rituals help yeah and holding that space for yourself I always say like it's holding space for your humanity and humanity Mm, I like that I like that a lot because when you do that kind of work you're able to show up for yes. others yeah. in a whole different way yeah. versus when your cup is completely that's right. empty that's right you have nothing to give that's right yeah. audrey lord
0: once said that caring for myself is not self-indulgence it is self-preservation and that mm-hmm. is an act of political warfare mm-hmm. and you and i especially as black women there are enough things to face in the world without adding our own stuff on top mm-hmm. of it right so if i am not here to do the work, if you are not here to do the work that we're called to in the world, then it's not going to get done. Yeah. And I'm being irresponsible if I don't take care of myself as a vessel to help get those things done.
1: Uh, you just said it. You have a responsibility yeah. to humanity and the planet That's to right. connect, grow, become the best version of yourself. That's like, exactly it's, it's quite it. literally like my quote. Like I tell yes. people all the time. Put that and on a t-shirt. Like seriously. It is this level of responsibility mm-hmm. because... Me doing that work, or us doing that work, we all doing that work makes everything better. Yes, and so it is that act of resistance right. in itself.
0: I often think of life as a play, mm-hmm. right? You you get the script, and everybody's got their lines. Everyone saying the line that was assigned to them helps move the story along. You can't get to the end of the story if the wrong character is saying the wrong line and confusing Mm -hmm. the audience, if somebody forgets their lines, if somebody doesn't come out on stage, if somebody misses their cue or misses their mark, all of a sudden the entire story is off, Mm -hmm. right? And the conclusion that you're trying to reach becomes more and more difficult to get to because all of the actors along the way are not playing their part mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to you to play my part you have a responsibility to me to play my part so that we can reach the mutual conclusion that we're all trying to get to yes
1: together together, together. because we are all in this yes together do right. we believe that it or not right. we are on this planet that's right. together that's right and we have work to do mm-hmm. I love that thank you for that This podcast is brought to you by, well, you, or at least it can be in order for us to keep advertisements to a minimum, if not at all, we need your support consider becoming a patron of this podcast. You can do so with a one-time give or become a monthly donor for as little as $5 a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash a modern visionary or to our website, a modern and click on the button, become a patron. You can also support us through our, a modern visionary gear. You can find that on our website inside the shop. Thanks again for your love and support. So You are a truth teller. You say it like it is, (laughs) unapologetically, and I love it. But for those who are trying to find their voice and kind of find their footing, especially Mm -hmm. around social justice issues that they really believe in but are controversial, hard to Mm -hmm. talk about, what's your advice on showing up unapologetically and really voicing your truth?
0: You know, one of the things I think we don't talk about enough is the discipline necessary in activism. However, your activism shows up, if it's Mm -hmm. a tweet, if it's a march, if it's, you know, your job. Being disciplined is necessary to being effective, right? Mm -hmm. Like you will not be any good at pursuing the ends that you care about, at making the change that you care about, if you do not do it in a disciplined way. And one of the disciplines that we often lack is the building of knowledge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we'll go out there and want to talk about the thing that matters to us, But we haven't taken the time to get all the information, get all the facts straight, to acknowledge that the thing we care about may affect different people in different ways. Mm -hmm. I've spent the last year really trying to be a student of disability activism Mm -hmm. because everything from the gender wage gap to housing, to education, all of that stuff intersects very deeply with disability. Mm-hmm. And I can't be somebody who's out there in the world advocating for equity in education, for example, if I'm not knowledgeable and therefore amplifying the issues of students with disabilities, right? right? If I'm not thinking about how the fact that um, Becky, who bribed her child's way in the college and uh, took advantage of resources, testing resources that were created for students with disabilities, I have to be able to connect the dots between that and how they actually harms, potentially harms things for students with disabilities because they won't be able to avail themselves of those resources if people think that there's fraud, right? Mm -hmm. So something an able-bodied person did is harming things for students with disabilities. And I can't be as effective an advocate for educational equity if I'm not educating myself on exactly all of the details here, right? right? And so being in a constant state of learning, a constant state of, of acknowledging not only what you know, but what you don't know mm-hmm. will actually position you to be a person of much more credibility, right? I like to say that I'm learning in public. There are plenty mm-hmm. of times when I have said the wrong thing, made the wrong assumption, given the wrong information. If somebody corrects me, I can't be so above correction that right. I that I don't receive the, the feedback, right? Because then like, how can you trust my word? Mm-hmm. How can you know that what I'm saying to you is the best thing that I know to be true at the time? And so, yeah, they're like telling telling your truth, it, it requires Bravery, it requires courage. Um, it requires a level of, of tenacity and relentlessness. But like be disciplined when you do it. Right. Like be disciplined in your delivery. Be disciplined in the collection of information. Be disciplined in the knowledge and skill that you build. So then when you share it with other people, you know for sure you are doing good in the world.
1: I love that because oftentimes we usually hear just like just show up. Yeah. And just and just say your truth or say your piece. But no, sometimes you need to read a book before you show up. Is could be biased based on your own lens and your own experience without really considering all the others that may be impacted by that truth. That's right. And no
0: one is served well if you're so obsessed with the sound of your own voice that you can't be quiet enough to learn first.
1: Listening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Listening, reading, learning. Learning, discipline, all of it.
0: All, all of that. I mean, listen, there's so much information on Netflix. You don't even have to crack open a book. You can go watch 13th, right? right? And you can better yes. understand the criminal justice system. Yes. Um, before you open your mouth and decide to be loud and wrong. Yeah.
1: I. Well, it's easy to be very loud and wrong. Yeah. Especially like on Twitter. Especially <laughs> because there's this,
0: there's this obsession with adding your voice to the chorus. And you know, the more and more visible I get, the more people have an expectation that I comment on everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm really trying to make a commitment to myself to, and to everybody else, to not be so pulled into that, just kind of you know force that I'm not responsible with my words Mm -hmm. so like yeah I'm some people are like well I'll never delete a tweet if my tweet is wrong I will delete it Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you called me into account and you were like this is not it I won't be like oh you're I don't want that to exist in the world Yeah. so I will delete the tweet I there was a a lot of stuff I didn't say about um, the Chicago the Chicago mayor's race for example so Mm -hmm. history was made in Chicago two black women were in a runoff so the the winner um, was gonna be the first Black woman mayor of Chicago. In addition, Lori Lightfoot is also openly lesbian. So there's the first Black woman and openly LGBTQ mayor of Chicago. And people were celebrating this as, you know, a really historic achievement. But Black LGBTQ youth in Chicago were saying, yeah, her identity matches my, her politics don't. Mm -hmm. And actually some of her beliefs about police and the criminal justice system are going to be very harmful to my community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is not a person that I want to celebrate. I'm going to have to I'm going to actually have to fight this administration tooth and nail. I didn't want to go out here with a large platform not knowledgeable about that nuance. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there were some rumblings about it. So I didn't say anything Mm -hmm. about the Chicago mayor's race until I actually read the voices and listened to the voices of Black LGBTQ young people from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And when I chose to finally say something, I didn't actually share my own words. I shared their words, Right. right? That's how you responsibly use a platform. And I'm trying to continuously put myself in in and center myself enough to know that that I'm supposed to be a vessel for what is right and what is honest and not just for what I feel like saying at the time
1: yeah I I can totally agree with that because my platform is growing but it's still a responsibility yeah and when I think about like whether you're impacting five people or five thousand or fifty thousand people you have to be discerning about take that power very what that is that you're sharing. Yeah. I remember recently um, talking with a friend who, I don't know, posted something that, like, prettier you had posted, which is like some, mm-hmm. like, right something, yeah. something, another <laughs> But anyway, it looked very put together, Uh intellectually said some crap, and I watched it, and I'm like, what in the actual, like, what is happening? (laughs) It was a WTF moment. It was a WTF (laughs) moment for me, because I'm like, I know you, and this is strange, and did you know what you were posting? And I, like, texted him about it, and he's like... I post left-wing, you know, propaganda stuff all the time. Like, first of all, yeah, no, oh boy, we're gonna. So I like going <laughs> on people. So if you're my friend, you're gonna hear it from me because I'm just like really challenging, yeah, the your what you're doing. And I went on this whole tangent about our responsibility to. Yes, you may have agreed with like one aspect of this video. Mm-hmm but it does so much more harm mm-hmm. because that you shared it from that platform and what they were pretty much saying in around about what it was like about AOC. It was all this stuff that oh, was happening boy. in this video, but he agreed with this one line of what they said entrepreneurship is supposed to be about. Oh, and I'm like, you did a disservice yeah. to your whole audience yeah. by sharing that and not giving any context. That's right. Like you didn't write a status. Like you didn't share it. You just shared it. That's right. And that does a disservice to those who are looking to you, for, good guidance. you for telling him that. Yeah. I'm not letting my friends get away with anything. <laughs> if you're my That's friend, friendship. I'm not letting you get away That's friendship. with the negligence. Enablement um, is not
0: friendship. Yes. What you're doing is friendship.
1: Yes. So I'm like, just know I might come for you. If you're my friend, I'm definitely coming <laughs> I'm going to come for you, come for you, you probably more there because, it is. because you're my friend. That's right. But yes. Okay. I, I digress. Um, <laughs> what is your big vision for the world? My
0: my real vision for the world uh is that people can thrive. Like, it's that simple. There are so many fights we take on in social justice work that are pieces of a larger puzzle. And so often it feels like we're just trying to take the first step, right? So, you know, when we co-founded Campaign Zero, which is a policy platform on police violence, People kept asking us, well, what's the one thing that police need to do differently? We're like, it's not one thing, mm-hmm. right? There's like a whole suite of things that need to be done just to get us one step further.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if I'm it's continuing in the context of police violence, that one step is, the, the first step is, is actually holding police accountable for problematic and systemic behavior, Mm -hmm. right? There is no reason why in a country where over a thousand people are killed by police every single year, um, that there are places where the police can't even be questioned when they When they commit these kind of crimes. Right. There is no reason why of those over a thousand people, a disproportionate amount of those people are black, but less than one percent of the police officers um, who've ever killed a black person are convicted. Mm -hmm. Right. So accountability matters. But that accountability is not justice, right? So accountability would have been Darren Wilson going to jail for killing Michael Brown Jr. Justice would be Michael Brown Jr. being alive, right? Mm -hmm. Thriving would be Michael Brown Jr. not only being alive, but having access to every single option that he's ever wanted for his life and never being restricted by an education system, a housing system, a labor system, a prison system, uh, uh environmental racism right not ever being constrained by all of the other things that had he lived he would have still encountered in his life so i want us to get to accountability to be able to get to justice mm-hmm. to be able to get to thriving that's my mm-hmm. vision yeah work <laughs> <laughs> we got i mean and, and there's work. a lot of work ahead right yeah. like i just i'm i'm with young people all the time i'm with students all the time and i watch well-intentioned adults and systems of education just, like, kill their genius. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are we so afraid of little Black children, little brown children, immigrant children, LGBTQ children, like, having possession, full possession of their genius for the rest of their lives? What is scaring us about that?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I just want, I want young people to be able to grow up in a world that, protect them and all of their genius Mm -hmm. because we benefit greatly if we can actually see all of that 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 genius come to bear
1: i can totally agree i have a four-year-old oh and what's their name autumn sky oh that's beautiful um and so a lot of the work that i do and even doing these interviews Mm -hmm. it's I'm like, I'm trying to piecemeal the plan or not even the plan, but something that will shift to help move things for you so that when you become my age and older, that hopefully just like our ancestors and those before us have paved the way to ensure progress continues forward. And so I know that's so, so important. Um, What's your definition of a modern visionary?
0: Oh, my definition of a modern visionary is someone who is unencumbered by convention, but is rooted in strong values. Because, you know, Donald Trump is somebody who is not bound by convention. Mm -mm. Like He was like, yeah, I know everybody before we gave you their tax returns i'm not going to do it yeah right like i know no other president has used social media to communicate their foreign policy but that's what i'm going to do so you can be unbound by convention Mm -hmm. you can be an innovator you can be a visionary in all of the wrong ways yeah the difference to me is whether or not you are rooted in a set of values that Mm -hmm. set up the work that you do to be bigger than you, right? To be to be for the good of positive. Yes, to like to exactly to fuel positive change. And so I think that a modern visionary is someone who is not mired in convention and tradition, but is rooted and centered and has a foundation in positive values.
1: I love that. I talk to students a lot about, really everybody, but I just recently spoke out of college talking about. The words change and impact mm. and authenticity, but all of those things can be on every and any side. Yes. So it's what kind of change, That's what kind right. of impact, That's right. and what does it mean to be authentic? Because right. Donald Trump is totally, totally authentic, authentic to himself. I wish he would fake it. Yeah. Like, I wish <laughs> right? he would fake being a person with a heart. Yeah, like, totally authentic, but does that authenticity what serve the to? greater good? Yes, that's right. No. Yes. No, yes. it doesn't. That's right. So that change in context about what these words actually mean. That's exactly right. But you said, you said it. That quote. No, that you quote, said it. I mean, I said it and you said it. We said <laughs> we it together. Said it together. <laughs> but it's, it's an important one because yeah. whenever... Because I'm just... As I'm thinking of how people like, oh, change maker and, you know, yeah. impact. What kind of change? Um, you want to change? The, I'm like, what? yeah, what kind of change? I mean, listen, like,
0: David Duke was a change maker. Right. David Duke built an army of white supremacists called the Ku Klux Klan and helped perpetuate it. He didn't build it himself, but he helped perpetuate right. it during a time when it was starting to fall dormant. He made change. Mm-hmm. He didn't make positive change. Right. He didn't make change for the good of humanity. He certainly didn't make change that was good for you or, you or I. Right. Um, so, yeah, you can make a whole lot of change. Change, but you actually have to make sure that it is fueling progress
1: mm-hmm.
0: and not setting
1: us backwards no one nowhere again not going anywhere back Listen, again okay
0: <laughs> y'all please please register to vote
1: <laughs> <laughs> educate yourself yes. on these
0: candidates make sure everybody registered you know is registered
1: vote. yes we cannot have a repeat of 2016 uh i had a whole question about 2020 but i'm not i'm not we're, we're, we we can do it go ahead Okay, so I was, the question really was, there's just so many candidates. (laughs) There's just so many candidates. What, But I think you answered it, go vote. Like, what can we all do to keep our sanity through an election that hasn't even really started, but we're already starting to get a little burnt out? We can, from, we can, all the things.
0: We can vet in the, we can vet candidates in the ways that matter, which is about character and policy. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. What did we know about Donald Trump? He's got bad character and he had bad policies. We
1: knew that. Yeah, we, we did. Going we into it.
0: Right. <laughs> so, like, those are the things that when it comes to an elected official, those are the things that matter. That means getting away from the ad hominem attacks. That means not doing this thing where I'm going to battle you because of who you like that's Mm -hmm. running. Right. Please stop that. (laughs) Like, let's have a substantive conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, folks have been talking about Joe Biden and the accusations against him and his habits to at the very least invade people's personal space and at the most be guilty of sexual harassment. And what I said was I was like, look, I've met Joe Biden. What what I'm not going to do is jump on Twitter and defend Joe Biden and say, well, what what that other woman said he did, he didn't Mm -hmm. do to me, blah, 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 because A, that undermines another woman, and I'm not doing that. B, Joe Biden is a grown man, and he can speak for himself, Mm -hmm. right? What I am going to do, though, is say, how does your character... Inform your potential policy, because I still have questions Mm -hmm. about the mindsets that you carried into the hearings on Clarence Thomas's Mm -hmm. confirmation. I have questions about the mindsets that led to your treatment of Anita Hill. And so what I'm interested in once he announces is what those mindsets are. How they have evolved and how they have influenced his policy. So I will spend time on his website, just like I spent time on Gillibrand's website, Warren's website, and Beto's website, and Kamala Harris's website, looking at the policy. The best thing that we can do is be informed citizens, Mm -hmm. period. Because when you've got a a field with this this many candidates, especially during the primary season, we're going to have to be the ones that push the best ideas to the top. So even though only one candidate is going to emerge, that candidate's platform should be heavily influenced by all of the other platforms that they had to encounter. Because we, the people, should be saying, actually, our bar for good housing policy is the Warren policy. Our bar for closing the wealth gap among children is Cory Booker's baby pods. So if you're the one candidate who emerges, are you, how are you going to implement those strategies? How are you going to implement those ideas? As citizens, we hold them to that bar and require that that's the mantle that they carry forward. But if we're so busy bickering with each other that we don't even have time to hold the candidates accountable and be knowledgeable about what they're actually proposing they do for this country, then like we've lost before we've even begun. Yeah. So, yeah, be registered to vote, but let's let's move past the basics and become informed voters. I think I that's that. my dinner. <laughs>
1: and on that note, One informed
0: moment. and vote.
1: Thank you yes. so much.
0: Thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry lovely. for the interruption, no, but thank you thank so much for you. having me. Thanks for the work you're doing.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the A Modern Visionary podcast. For today's show notes, head to amodernvisionary.com and be sure to chat and connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on iTunes and leave some love in the comments. Visionary, remember, we are the ones we've been waiting for. So show up, lead with integrity and give a damn. I'm Tiffany Lanier and until next time, I'm out.